This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, thank goodness it's Saturday. That's right. Here in the city, you know, if you take a look around, all sorts of hustle and bustle. It's still summertime. And um, yeah, you know what? Real estate... I would say real estate realizes it's summer and the numbers are looking a little bit better. I was on with Jerry Agar earlier in the week. I'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, But I do want to talk about lots of things this hour. We've got a great show planned, by the way. And uh, a little bit later on in the hour, we're going to be joined by Harry Fine. He is the head of Harry Fine Paralegal Services, folks. and. If you're going to become a landlord, um, I'm going to encourage you to look Harry up. And uh, if again, if that's you're an active landlord, I didn't say an investor. Investor, you can talk to me about that, of course. Um, and again, I'll bring some of that up in a little bit. But ultimately, in the end, if you're looking to get some answers, he really is probably the guru of landlordship. Also, um, he is the go-to guy to find out what you can and can't do when you're a landlord. And with the latest rulings with the government. Yes, we would say they're one-sided in the favor of the tenant, and I know a lot of people are going to be listening to me saying, hey, Todd, that's not right. Landlords get rich. Um, not really. Uh, in all fairness, it's got to be a long-term uh, you know, commitment that they're making, and it's kind of funny. Tenants don't quite look at paying their rent the same way landlords would like to receive it. So we'll talk to Harry about that in a little while. And uh, before we talk to Harry, though, uh, I am going to be talking from, to a specialist from Royal LePage, Caroline Bale. She's going to be joining me, and uh, we're going to talk about the trend of the boomers. You know the people that you say aren't leaving? Well, some of them are, and you'd be surprised where they're moving. Even I was surprised at the report, and uh, it's quite interesting, to say the least. So how about we talk about an interesting topic that's up in the world right now, world's most livable cities in 2018. Toronto ranked one of the top places on the planet to live. Where does Toronto rank? Looking at the numbers, we're tied for number seven with Tokyo. Yay, we're seven. Do we get a ribbon for that? I'm not sure if we do or not. Probably not. But number seven in the world, that's not bad. I think there's quite a few cities in the world. So you know what? That's not a bad ranking. Uh, but you know who beat us? Number four, Calgary. Yeehaw! That's right. Calgary is number four. And bringing up the list, number six, again, Canada. We've got three cities. Vancouver in the top 10. Vancouver is number six. So not too bad. Number seven, number six, and number four. Gee, Canada must be a great place to live and buy real estate if you're not a foreign investor because, of course, you're going to get taxed to death. Thank you, provincial governments, for doing that. But what can we say? Um, speaking of banning foreign investment, how about New Zealand? They decide ban most foreign investors from buying homes, period. They say they would like to ban most foreigners from buying homes as it tries to tackle runaway house prices. So how about you just ban them altogether? Forget about taxing them. I mean, maybe you could uh, charge them 50% tax. Right now... They're taking a look at the fact that they are taking over the markets. Uh, they say indicate 3% of New Zealand homes are being sold to foreigners. Wow. And you're getting worried about that? I mean, we were talking about Vancouver pushing 15%. Um, but they're saying in some of the areas it's up to 5%. You know, it's amazing how people want to control things to an nth degree. And I know some of you are saying, hey, Todd, the foreign buyers took our market out of control. Not really. 
a lot of it was perception. And we had a lot of conversations last year about this. And I will still stand on my decision by saying, um, I think a lot of it was perception. As soon as you think that there's not a foreign buyer involved, you do not get aggressive with your price. If you heard even the rumblings of something like a foreign investor, you turn around and up your price immediately because you want to get competitive. So sometimes you, uh, you know, there was a lot of winners that were Canadians, about 95% of the sales that were transacting in the GTA were won by Canadians and they were just outbidding the foreign buyers. So guess what happens? Who, who, who jumped in the, in the pool without thinking? Well, I think that a lot of buyers were doing that. And so I'm not always going to blame the foreign buyers for prices running out of control because that's not quite the way it's working. Um, also, what's going on? Toronto condos squeeze out the smallest price change since August last year. Yeah, it's, uh, they're not getting as aggressive. You know, market's kind of stabilizing. Brand new condominiums aren't, uh, there's not as many releases right now. There's a lot of building. And uh, I don't know if you heard about the crane lady uh, this week, uh, you know, hanging out, literally. Um, that's right. So lots of cranes in the sky. People decide to climb them. God knows why, maybe to make a spectacle. But anyways, there's a lot of uh, cranes going on in Toronto right now. So we've got to get some completions done. Once they're completed, people move in. Guess what we have? Maybe a little bit more inventory for renters. That's right. The tenants, tenants of the world, you know, it's uh, getting a little tough. There's not a good vacancy rate right now in Toronto, uh, below 1%, which means it's really tough to find a place. So we do want the builders to complete because a lot of these properties were bought by investors. Going to talk about that in a minute. Investors, of course, one of my hot topics as usual. So should you buy or sell your property during real estate slow months? So what is a slow month? You know, we used to know what that is. And until the market stabilizes and we get back to norm, or maybe this is the new norm, you know, a year ago, or actually two years ago, back in 2016, realtors stopped taking vacations. And most of you probably think that realtors on, are on vacation all the time, uh, you know, out on the golf courses and everything else. And, you know, I would have to say I don't agree if there are professional realtors who are actively working with listings, understanding what's going on, working with buyers. Uh, they are nothing but full time. But, of course, there are the part timers that, you know, try to scrape a little off the top and they would be part time. But when you talk about a market what we had experienced and i would say going back to the days even when i first started uh, early 90s you know real estate had this huge cycle basically everybody waited till they got their credit card bill in january and then they decided they needed to go back to work and so we saw a lot of people get busy come february march april and may and june one of the main reasons people were selling because they are working with a school year and of course, the spring market, everything shows up nice and green. Everybody gets excited about the idea of buying real estate. And you see more open house signs and people get more aggressive. Now, because we work with a school cycle, and, and a lot of times when we talk about detached homes, people are focused on communities and going to schools, then everybody wants to be moved in by the end of the summer because we've got to start in September. So what happened? Normally people would kind of trickle through, still be selling a little in the months of July and August, but we always saw a little bit of a downturn near August. Then the people that had to sell would be selling February, sorry, uh, September, October, November. And of course, then we come into the seasonal, you know, 
holidays. And when we take a look at that, uh, we always saw things start to drop off right about the end of November. All of a sudden, things would get quiet. Everybody would go to every single Christmas party out there. And eventually, they would turn up and roll over come January. So we normally saw this cycle. But this year, far from the norm, we didn't see much of a, a spring market. We didn't hear that, see that big spring rush. We're starting to see an uptick. And uh, I was talking to Jerry Agar this week. We were talking about the market and how we started seeing an uptick in the month of July. In fact, July month over month started to increase from June. This is very rare. This is very rare that we see this. But we could all honestly say that the market had gone down so much and everybody had put the brakes on with, of course, the stress test the lovely wind government slapping everybody in the head with the 16 shotgun gauge approach that I always call it. And of course, interest rates, you know, edging up. So we saw a lot of things happen. And so the market itself had dropped off substantially. Now we're starting to see it uptick and we're starting to see it's kind of stabilize. But is this a huge market in comparison to a year or two ago? No. And so we don't have the same, we don't have the same demand, meaning we're not seeing the same number of units turn, despite the fact that we do have some properties on the market. In fact, the average day on market has gone up substantially. And, you know, it's not surprising to see a house on the market for about a month or two. So we're kind of back to normal there. And I think that's important that everybody understands that. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to just give everybody kind of the heads up on what's going on with Simple Investor. As you know, I don't talk a lot about uh, the company, and I, my, my producers always say, hey, Todd, you forgot to mention your company. Um, but the simpleinvestor.com, and what we do, of course, is we do um, we, we allow people to be able to buy uh, condominium titled properties, and we do full management where we are actually your tenant, which makes sure that you get your rent every single month, but you own it. You own the actual units themselves. Exciting thing right now is the fact that we've got two new releases. We normally would do one, but now we've got two new releases located in both Woodstock and in Tilsonburg. These are beautiful buildings that we've got, and one and two bedroom units are starting at 129.9, and they're fully tenanted, uh, rented out, managed. You do absolutely nothing except own it. Probably the best investment in Ontario right now as far as an opportunity to get into a market. We know markets are shifting. We know that uh, these markets are staying very stable. Prices are up. Interest rates are still in a very attractive range. So you do have positive cash flow every single month. You never have to worry about your tenant. And so my advice is go to the simpleinvestor.com. You can uh, download our performance on this. You don't want to miss out these opportunities, folks. Um, they don't come along very often. We only do about one or two releases a year. This is it for 2018, probably well into 2019 before we have our next release. And with the interest rates way where they sit today, lock them in, forget about it. You're going to have a great investment. So this is one of the things that, again, I normally don't talk too much about what we do, but definitely... Uh, I'm going to encourage everybody to jump on this one. This is a, a great opportunity. Uh, we've even got three bedroom units for 142.9, and uh, again, uh, tenanted cash flow, guaranteed rents, no matter what. Um, very, very straightforward. Find out more about us. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com. So as I mentioned uh, earlier, um, before I got on my rant, uh, I've got two great guests that are going to be joining me. Uh, Harry Fine from uh, Harry Fine Paralegal Services. Again, if you want to know how to be a landlord yourself, 
um, this is this is definitely the way to go. Um, and one other thing I forgot to mention, uh, we have our seminar coming up in September. We're going to be launching the date uh, in the next week on our website, and you'll know all about it. So you want to come to our new, new Simple Seminar. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. But coming up after the break, as I said, what are the boomers doing? And it may not be quite what you think. I've got Caroline Bale from Royal Page, who's going to be joining me, and she's going to be talking about Royal Page's recent boomer trends survey. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Now, more of Simply Real Estate with host Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Um, So I don't know if you know this, but uh, the boomers are always making a lot of noise when it comes down to news in real estate. And instead of me always talking about it, I thought I'd bring in a professional from Royal LePage, and it's Carolyn Bale. And she's, uh, she's she's from the GTA area, and she's very, very knowledgeable in this field. And Caroline, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Maybe you can shed a light on the Boomer Trend Survey that was just recently done by Royal Page. Of course, you know, I have to tell you, Royal Page has some of the best information out in the industry. They're well-respected in Canada. We've always been, a, you know, big fan. Um, can you talk to us about what's going on and what kind of trends we're seeing? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's very interesting when Royal Page does these national surveys and sort of what comes out nationally and then also within each of the reach regions. So when you look at it, over 17% of the baby boomers interviewed plan on moving in the next five years. That basically amounts to 1.4 million sales in that area. Out of those, 45% of those interviewed planned on moving to detached homes and 32% plan on moving to condos. So a bit of a shift there from what would be a normal sort of downsizing retirement property. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you said that because, you know, my natural inclination is when we hear about boomers moving, we naturally think that it's downsizing. So you're going from a detached maybe to a townhome or a condo or something. But the fact that I guess they're doing more of a physical lateral move, but maybe are they moving out of market? Are are they like pulling out of the GTA? Are we seeing more of that? Well, you know what, nationally 56% of them interviewed said that they would be moving specifically because they found their current um, communities unaffordable. Out of those, 63% of Ontario baby boomers interviewed felt that their areas were unaffordable. So what we're seeing is they are looking to move to the surrounding areas where it's a little more affordable. They are within an hour commute from the downtown core. They've still got all the services. But again, looking at moving to the surrounding smaller communities and also downsizing to condos. So it's kind of interesting when you look at the cycle, because when you first purchase a home, the more affordable and size-wise you're looking at, at condos and then small homes. As you sort of grow your family, grow your career, you move to the larger homes in the suburbs. As your family and the children start to go off to university and have their homes, the baby boomers are now looking at their properties going, wow, there's a lot of equity here. We actually don't need these big homes, and we can take some of that tap into the equity of our homes, downsize, and actually have a different lifestyle. You know, it's it's interesting uh, that you, you say that because when we talk about, you know, 
I guess, boomers doing that shift, one of the things that we've been kind of looking at is there is a lack of inventory, obviously, in the GTA core. And millennials have been, you know, you know, putting up, you know, a lot of noise in regards to this, saying it's almost impossible for them to find a house. And at this point now, does it mean that we might see a bit of a shift so there'll be more freed up properties for millennials? Because, th- again, this is one of those, you know, you and I know it's a kind of been a hot topic the last few years that, you know, there's inventory. And so millennials have been ramping up on condominiums, but not so much for detached properties. Right. And I think this is a great opportunity for some of the people that are in condos to sort of move up to that next level. I mean, it's a great time to buy in that the interest rates are low. There's good inventory out there. They don't have to worry about bidding wars. And But it's also solid for the sellers because they know that those buyers coming in are going to be pre-approved and they're ready for that next stage. So yes, it, it opens up that whole other level of property ownership for those young millennials. Caroline, I'm going to I'm going to pick your brain just for a second because, you know, you did touch on something that you said, you know, things are a little bit more affordable and we don't quite see the competition obviously that we saw 18 months ago. So so the question then to you is this, um do you see the market coming backwards much more than it already has? And, and again, we always talk GTA, we can talk Ontario, but do we see it going backwards much more because we've got a lot of people that were sitting on the fence. Obviously, the the younger buyers are sitting there saying, no, no, we want prices down. And then you've got, you know, people that were hanging onto their houses, hoping to get some more equity out of them. Where do you see the market in the next, call it six to 12 months? Oh, that is a tough question. Oh, listen, I wasn't going to make it easy for you. I mean, (laughs) you know what? It, it, It also depends on pockets. It depends on price points. It depends on pockets. I don't think we're ever going down. We're not going to see the frenzy that we saw last spring, but home ownership is always a great investment. And I mean, it is more affordable in the fact that most of the purchasers out there do not have to worry about the bidding wars they saw. Um, the homes are appraising out. So, and I mean, when you look at our immigration, our emigration, we're still in a in an extremely productive economic situation, especially in the GTA. So I think there's always going to be growth. I don't think we're going to really see it fall. We might not see the increases we saw, you know, 18 months ago, but I don't really think it's going to be, it's going down. So it's still going to be a good investment. We're just not, it's going to be a more balanced market is what it's going to be. Yeah, I like that word balance because, you know, stable markets are a good place for people to invest in real estate, not speculate, you know, because speculation, obviously, people are going for for the big buck. They're trying to make money. They normally get caught. There's very, you know, there's speculators. It's really tough to time a market. But when you're investing, you know, the mindset should be that five to 10 year investment. And it allows you to grow equity, not just from appreciation, but from improvements and maintenance and things like that in a home. Um, so one of the one of the, the things that I'm going to ask you then is that if we're we're coming into the fall market, are we going to still see some of an uptick in the market? Um, you know, we we saw some numbers that came out recently. They're saying that month over month, you know, we're seeing some increased activity, not huge in price, but just activity. Do you think that we're going to have a decent fall? Yeah, you know what? I, I think we will. Normally. Traditionally, the spring market is the busiest, and whether you have children or not, it's it's driven by the school year. So the summer sort of slows off. We didn't have that peak spring market, 
that we normally do. So some of those buyers were kind of hanging around in the summer, still waiting to see what's going to happen. And I think the fall will see a lot of those people back out. So in, even in the last two weeks, we've noticed pickup in in showings and offers coming in. So I mean, it's not going to be a frenzy, but I think we're definitely going to see the market pick up over the next couple of weeks and, and into the early spring, uh, sorry, early fall. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a positive. And like I said, I think we're in more of a balanced position. Um, Caroline, what is the best way for our listeners to reach you if, if they want to? You know what? They can contact me on my website at carolinebell.com or through our office at Royal LePage, your community, 416-788-2700. Excellent. Well, Caroline, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we'll definitely stay in touch and touch base in the fall. Sounds great. Well, thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Caroline Bale, and she is from Royal LePage. And, uh, you know, interesting. I think we've got a stable market. I don't see any huge decreases or increases. Um, Coming up after the break, I've got Harry Fine, Paralegal Services. Harry Fine himself is going to be here in the studio with me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So I'm really excited about my next guest here in the studio with me. You've heard his name if you are a landlord. Um, if you've heard, if you've been listening at all to the station, you know, if you're out there trying to figure out, should I be a landlord? You know, am I in trouble with my tenant? Um, it's Mr. Harry Fine, and he's from Harry Fine Paralegal Services. And I'm so thrilled to have him here because we're going to have an honest-to-goodness talk about landlords, one of my favorite topics. And uh, welcome to the show, Harry. Well, thank you. And honesty is important because often it doesn't happen. It's funny when you talk about, uh, you hear about being an investor, being an investor. Nobody ever says, have a tenant, have a tenant, because <laughs> landlording's a business. So you're right. We need an honest conversation. Yeah, excellent. Um, you know, I've got lots to talk to you about today because um, as uh, as a landlord myself, you know, my, my company, we manage a lot of properties. You know, we're very active. And one of the things that I, I thought I'd start off um, asking you because because you're 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 you know so entrenched in this i mean you are considered the guru to landlords and uh, and i know that for a fact but what should people consider before becoming a landlord so you know because there's all that hype yeah you, you, you can see all the programs out there everybody's saying you know buy an investment property buy an investment property you know us aside because we do all the management but when people are thinking of buying investment property, what should they really consider first before they go down that road? Because that, that's a real slippery, slippery slope once you start. It is. Everybody wants to be an investor. Nobody wants to be a landlord. Uh, there's a fear of missing out. Ontario, uh, Toronto in particular, has this amazing uh, growth in, in equity. Uh, people are buying places, in some cases, keeping them empty and making money. But that's not the way to make money. So people get in because of the pressure, because of the fear of missing out, because of their friends, and because of the real estate industry. There's a lot of push, a lot of pressure to become a landlord. And I think what people mostly miss is that it's a business. It's not passive income unless it's being managed professionally. But if you own a home and you rent out your basement or you buy a condo, 
it's a business, and people are shocked when they find out it's not. Uh, as you know, Todd, I was uh, an adjudicator at the Landlord-Tenant Board. Yes. And that's how I started this business. And then when I left the board, uh, because these appointments by the government are term limited, uh, I became a paralegal, and I was shocked at the small landlord community and how unprepared they were for the challenge of head, ahead. The, the big institutional landlords, you know, Minto, Dell, Greenwin, Realstar, uh, yep. you name them, they're great. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, they know what they're doing, they know the rules, they know it's a business. But the mom and pop, it's, it's unbelievable and it's frightening for them. Some get into the business and it becomes uh, a nightmare for them, uh, emotionally taxing because they didn't know what to expect. Their realtor said, here's the property, here's the tenant, you're gonna make money. Sure. You know, that's that's an interesting point that you just made about realtors. And, you know, the, the professional realtors out there know that I support them 100%. It's the ones that I slag <laughs> that don't like it. Because a realtor should be honest and tell people, uh, you know, if you're going to buy into a building, tell them what it's really about. You know, not pie in the sky, not the fact that, oh, don't worry, we can find you a tenant and the tenant will pay you every single month for the rest of your life. They will pay off your mortgage. And, you know, you think you have this euphoric position that you're going to be in. And again, one of the reasons why I'm asking the question beforehand, I would rather turn around and, sorry to put it bluntly, slap people in the face before they become a landlord. I agree, okay. but realtors won't do that. No, of course not. They're, they're talking about commissions. You know, they want to close the deal. Sure. Or if they're working with builders, especially the way the builders have been, you know, and, and, and we're starting to see them come back out of the woods. You know, back in 2017, the builders kind of pulled back on all the advertising. And I get it all the time. The builders will send me saying, hey, Todd, we'll pay you 5% commissions if you bring investors to buy these units. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to show up to send us their names. You know, it, it's, it's an interesting way, an interesting approach. Um, there are agents out there, of course, they go running to it and they or pre-construction condos yeah absolutely. yeah and it's and it's really tough so so before anybody gets goes down that road you know again talking about what you do um being a paralegal being able to represent landlords i mean you are definitely the the sure. advocator for proper landlordship because well, for, that, that all, there is there is part of that i i support the good realtors well as well i think i have the same opinion as you do there are about fifty-five thousand realtors in ontario and a lot of them don't understand residential tenancy law. I teach at a number of the real estate boards. I went TREB, Toronto Board, three times this year. I teach probably at 25 brokerages this year, but that doesn't begin to touch the 55,000 realtors that are out there. And people have to, first of all, decide whether they want a realtor to be the one who finds them a tenant. Realtors have this paradigm, an exclusive, irrevocable, but exclusive, single person, comes and makes an offer. The best uh, residential small landlord does not do it that way. They open the market, they advertise, they take multiple applications, and they're going to get, they hope, the best tenant. They're going to do credit checks. They're going to do checks with previous uh, landlords, tenancy checks. Uh, they're certainly going to do uh, checks on uh, finances and income and banks. They're going to do uh, social media checks. They're going to Google their names. Yeah. Some of them will even find a reason to have a meeting where they currently live. So See, I think can, that's a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. Realtors, and I'm not blaming them, it's the paradigm. They're getting paid a month's commission or many times half a month's half commission. Half a month, yep. And it, it's not enough. And now the law's changed as of April 30th, 2018, as well as the real estate lease uh, they, no, they no longer have one. It's called a Form 400. But now it's just an offer to lease. 
and every tenancy has to have the new mandated government lease, which I'm happy to talk about. I think it's terrible. So the realtor getting half a month's commission hasn't checked all these things because now, in addition to the other stuff, they have to draft a lease between their client, the landlord, and the tenant, and they're not getting paid enough. Uh, I've recommended to brokerages that once they've accepted the tenant, that they charge a fee, 350 bucks, to draft the lease or send them to a paralegal to sure. draft the lease. The government lease, the new government lease as of uh, April 2018, it's a skeleton. Yep. There's nothing to it. There's no specificity. It doesn't protect landlord or tenant. It doesn't cover all the things that can happen about parking or condo rules or laundry or backyard sharing. I could list 20 of those areas. Or, or pre-move-in pre inspection Inspections, or move-out inspe inspections. <laughs> yeah, or cost, or cost entry. of damage oh. or insurance. It, insurance, know. it's crazy. Yeah. So what does the realtor do? The realtor creates a lease using the government form using the couple of ARIA clauses, the Ontario Real Estate Association clauses, yep. that they've traditionally used on their Form 400. I have been so busy this year, um, actually busy while I sleep, because I wake up in the morning and I see four PayPal payments because I've been selling a forms package to landlords. Right. 27 documents, but one of them, the reason people are buying is my lease appendix, which they use with the government lease yep. to create a bulletproof lease. In fact, if landlords are interested, I have on my YouTube channel uh, one free YouTube video called Create the Perfect Lease, and I talk about how to put the government lease together with my appendix. So they have to do great checks on tenants, not one at a time. You can also get in terrible trouble with the Human Rights Commission. If I'm doing exclusive irrevocable applications as the real estate industry does, and then I'm a realtor, pretend I'm a realtor, sure. and you're my client, and my client doesn't like this tenant for whatever reason. Yep. And they say to me, Harry, tell them I don't want them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have to come up with some excuse, perhaps some lie, as to why I don't want them. I can't say to them, you were great, but I preferred this guy, because there was no this guy. Right. Realtors are looking at them one at a time. So you remember that case, actually, and we covered that about a year ago, where they said that they were too young and I don't know if you remember that. Was in this the news. on CBC? Yeah, and they and a couple wow. was the the the. The landlord decided not to accept them because they were too young. I actually have personal knowledge of this case. If it's the same case, and I think it is, the realtor for the landlord emailed yes. the realtor for the, for the tenant, tenant and yep. said, I'm sorry, this couple. Yep. And they were making 90000 bucks. That's the exact story. Yep. And the woman prospective tenant was the niece of the realtor. So the realtor said, listen, honey, this is what's happening. <laughs> and, and I actually got involved from a legal perspective. You've got to be so careful with the human rights code. Uh, never say why the tenant wasn't accepted. Uh, don't interview or uh, allow offers exclusive. Yep. Have a pool of people. Take, take 15 people through the house on a Sunday afternoon. Five don't like it. Ten love it. You know, give them applications if they haven't filled them out. Do the checks, whether it's uh, Neighborly or TVS or Rent Check or whoever you do the check. Check their employment. Uh, check their previous landlords. Check social media. Now you're down to three good ones. Uh, you've got three with great credit checks, other checks. 
And you call the first guy up and you say, are you still interested? Yeah. And that's how you find a good tenant. The next- so I'm going to have you hold that because I don't want to give away the farm yet. We've got to go to a quick break. But when we come back, you and I can pick up right where we left off. Absolutely. Folks, I'll be right back with Harry Fine from Harry Fine Paralegal Services. You don't want to miss this. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Now, back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater, In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Uh, If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Harry Fine from Harry Fine Paralegal Services. Uh, Harry is a landlord guru. He is a specialist in this field, well-respected throughout the community in Ontario. Just before the break, uh, Harry and I were breaking down what um, what it is to, that you should do to qualify a tenant. And folks, if, you, if you're just tuning in right now, make sure you go to our SoundCloud account here at News Talk 1010 and uh, definitely play the segment before. Well, play the whole show, of course, but you don't want to miss what Harry and I were talking about. And Harry, just to kind of cover over what we did talk about, was the fact that we're, we're, we're getting closer to finding a tenant and you were qualifying the tenants by having multiple people come through, breaking it down. Some people like it, some people don't. So what's the final step? So you've selected your tenant. You sign the government lease with your proper appendix. Uh, you take a first and last month's rent. That's a last month's rent deposit uh, and the rent for the first month. And then the tenant may have some obligations. So they're moving in. Um, you know, we're doing this uh, show on the, I don't know, the 28th or something. They're going to move in on September 1st. By September 1st, you may have an obligation in the lease that they have to transfer utilities to their name, show you tenant insurance, etc. So now it's time for move-in. So on move-in date, the tenant comes, uh, you personally meet them, and you take pictures of everything. Everything, yep. Every window, door, and floor, and carpet. (laughs) Pre-inspection. And and you not only take pictures that are date-stamped, hopefully your camera will do that, but get them to sign a move-in inspection report. I have so many clients come to me where there's damage, and they try to collect the damage through an application to the Landlord-Tenant Board, but the tenant says, that's how it was when I moved in. Mm-hmm. So always, always uh, pre-move in inspection. It's difficult to take pictures during the tenancy. The Ontario uh, Privacy Commissioner has spoken on that. So get the pictures up front so that you can prove if there was any damage. Uh, you turn over the keys at that point once you've taken the pictures and you have your first and last. And make sure that you do a, have them acknowledge fire safety, that smoke detectors are there, that fire detectors are there. Getting back to the lease for a minute, if I can, I'm not sure, sure. of our time yeah. today. Well, some of the areas where people really mess up, and of course, using just the bare government lease will do this, uh, worst areas are utilities, by far, is the worst area. They check the box on the government form that says the tenant will pay for electricity and gas. Fine. And that's all they do. And then... In this case, the landlord has a duplex with one meter. So, Todd, you're going to pay 60% upstairs, and Harry's going to pay 40%. So how is the tenant going to pay? Who is the tenant going to pay? What percent are they going to pay? How often do I present them with a copy of uh, my bills? Within how many days are they going to pay? What's going to happen if they don't pay? That's why you need, from, from me or from anybody, a great lease appendix. What if you have parking offered? Do you want them parking their boat? in the garage? Do you want them doing oil changes on your asphalt? My, the government lease is 13 pages. Right. It's sort of seven pages with six pages of info, 13 pages. You take 
my lease appendix. You're up to a 30-page lease, mm -hmm. but your butt is covered because everything that could possibly happen, there's not only an obligation, rights and obligations, but there's a remedy. If something happens, if they don't get insurance, if they park their motorhome in your garage, if they use marijuana or smoke when it's a no-smoking lease. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that I in know. a second. <laughs> I mean, all these things that you're going to need down the road to protect yourself. So utilities is a big one. A lot of people, of course, try to put illegal things in the lease, and that's why the government created the new standard lease. So there's no point having an appendix that simply says you can only have one other person move in. Right. Or the famous realtor, the tenant has to pay the first $100 of appliance repair. It's right. all illegal. Sure. So use a legal appendix, use a legal lease, uh, get the deposit up front, do the proper checks before you do that. Don't be in a hurry. Something that I've always found bothersome, and, and maybe I'm wrong, is that landlords re-rent a unit for the day after the previous tenant moves out. Yep. I have a problem with that. I mean, I'm a landlord side guy, but I got a problem with not doing a pest inspection, not cleaning, not patching, not painting, or even thinking that the guy's gonna move out when he says he's going to sure. on the 31st, you know, at midnight. So landlords, it's a business. And, they, and in a business, this is one of the things that we try to teach at The Simple Investor is the fact that you should allocate one month per year that you may not have rent. Meaning if you've got something that moves in, you know, they may only stay one year. And depending on who you've rented to, of course. And if they move out, you've got to figure that you should have one month worth of vacancy that next year. Yeah, I agree. And again, talking like a business, you, if we talk profit and loss, what we can expect, these are important things, I think. And you know, it's one of the things that we try to teach, and, and I think you and I are on the same page. One of the hot topics I do want to talk to you about, of course, is marijuana. Um, you know, condominiums right now, they are scrambling to change their bylaws and declarations. Including my condo. Yeah, and they're making sure that they're putting it in. Some people are saying they should put in no combustible which means that you can grandfather somebody if it's a, if it's a non-smoking building already and it's established great but um, if it's not and you've got people that smoke cigarettes if you put in non-combustibles it means that nobody moving forward can smoke now right now marijuana is illegal so it would be deemed an illegal substance so you're legally not allowed to smoke it in a condominium but if it does become legalized where do you see the issues for landlords well in my condo for instance they have a new uh, rule um, that the board has passed that is outlawing smoking of marijuana or tobacco, but tobacco smokers can be grandfathered yep. if within 30 days of the passage of the rule, they've come to the office and signed the form. Yep. Okay, so, so they'll be, and that's fine, but you can't, unless you're grandfathered, smoke tobacco anywhere, right. including on your balcony, and you can't smoke marijuana anywhere, regardless of your grandfather's illegal. status. Yep. Well, even when it's legal, it, yep. it will be, uh, What's a landlord going to do who's got a tenant in a condo and he's not careful in his condo lease? So he doesn't write a lease that outlaws smoking, tobacco, period. And the tenant comes in, the tenant certainly isn't grandfathered, and now you have a fight. And you have an unnecessary fight, and unnecessary legal costs, and an unnecessary attempt to evict because the condo corporations given you their lawyer's letter saying, your tenant better stop smoking. Yes. And do you know what that lawyer letter costs? I won't mention law firms. Sure. Like $800 for a form letter attached to my common element fees. Yep. So I say to the tenant, you got to stop smoking. Tenant says, why didn't you put it in the lease? Yep. So in a condo, it will be easier, frankly, 
to prevent smoking because if a tenant inter interferes with the condo rules declarations or bylaws, the landlord-tenant board, if you've done things right, will evict the tenant. What's the, what's the landlord going to do uh, in a house, in a basement, yeah, I was going to ask you, basement apartment. Currently, well, it's interesting. Uh, three days ago, the government made an announcement about changes to Kathleen Wynne's proposal on marijuana. And of course, there will be no government stores to sell. The government will uh, mail it out. Uh, there'll be independent entrepreneurs running stores, which I think is great. Yep. At the bottom of the press release, and I wrote my most recent blog on this, you can find it on my website. And I don't know for a fact, but snuck into the last line of the press release is that landlords would be able to prevent the smoking of marijuana either in the lease or in the rules. Now, I don't know what they meant by rules. So I'm guessing that when the legislation comes, they are going to change the Residential Tenancies Act. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. And they're actually going to explicitly say landlords can outlaw marijuana. Now, what about now? What about today? What about last year's smoking and marijuana? The tenant can have, as they should in my appendix we do, have no smoking clauses, very good clause, yep. no marijuana clauses, very good clause. What happens if the tenant in the basement or in the house smokes? The landlord serves them a notice of termination, which demands they stop. If the tenant doesn't stop, they go to the landlord-tenant board. Can they evict them? Probably. With a good lease, if the lease said no smoking and the lease said no marijuana, they will probably be able to evict them. What if there was not a good lease and they didn't have a no smoking clause? Different example. Sure. Well, if the landlord has proof that in this multi-unit building, the smoking, marijuana or tobacco, is interfering with somebody else, interfering with their ability to run the business, the board may evict. Now I'm down to may evict. Yeah. But you're going to have to bring a witness there, a tenant. But if somebody's renting your whole house and you have an old lease and there's no no marijuana clause in it, so they're not bothering anybody. Sure. It's not in the lease. Unless the government changes the law, which they might, you're really out of luck. Uh, so every lease you sign from this day forward, Should a have. good smoking clause yep. and a good marijuana clause. But be especially careful in condos because the corporation comes after you pretty quickly. Um, Harry, what is the best way for our listeners to find out more about your blog or your website? What, what's, where can they get you? I have a lot of Twitter followers. Uh, they can follow, well, they can go to hfineparalegal.ca, and from there you'll get some uh, really informative um, uh, YouTube videos. You'll get some, uh, I think, the best blog on landlord-tenant law in Ontario. <laughs> I'm biased. Yep. Uh, follow me on Twitter to find out what's going on. Uh, I really try to educate. My, I'm, I'm at a point in my life now where um, you know I'm slowing down a bit, I'm doing more teaching, I still do litigation work, but my goal in life is to try to correct some of the uh, inequities in landlord-tenant law, or one of my goals in life, but part of that is through teaching. People say landlord-tenant law is unfair. I grant you, it's unfair. But bigger than that, the problem is education. Yep. So my goal today is education. I have a series of eight webinars uh, that people very cheaply can purchase. I have what's called a new landlord three-pack. Like, if you're a new landlord, and you're going to manage it yourself, and you don't buy my three landlord three pack, my new landlord three pack, right. you're, you're out of your mind. <laughs> At least, you know, in my humble opinion, yeah. uh, because it is a business. They say you can run 
a hobby like a business, but you can't run a business like a hobby, and that's what too many people are doing. Yep, I agree. Listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, folks. That was Mr. Harry Fine, and uh, he's from Harry Fine Paralegal Services. So I'd like to thank my guests this hour uh, from Royal Page, Caroline Bale. Um, great to have uh, you know firsthand knowledge coming from the actual. I call it the trenches, but you know it's actually the market that's existing. And Caroline's great to have a chat with, and of course Harry Fine from Harry Fine Paralegal Services. Uh, great to have Harry on again great information if you want to be a landlord um, if you don't want to be a landlord but you want to be an investor remember go to the simpleinvestor.com you don't want to miss this opportunity that I was talking about earlier on in the hour uh, incredible incredible properties that we've got to offer to people at this time um, I want to thank my producers of course Ian and Andre as usual they keep it simple for me and I want to thank you for tuning in always a pleasure to talk about my favorite topic, real estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. Thanks for listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater. In-depth radio, News Talk 1010.